0: Once again, you already know what it is and you already know where you have reached for the 41st episode. For the 41st time you have reached the number one up-and-coming professional wrestling podcast anywhere in the world. This is the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast heard in all 50 states and internationally. I'm your host, Sean Hubbard. What up, though? And we have another big-time show in store for you tonight. We are looking back at the illustrious history of of WWE Raw, WWE's flagship show, as we get ready to embark on another big-time journey in professional wrestling, SmackDown on Fox premiering tonight, AEW Dynamite just premiering two days ago, and we have so much more NXT on Wednesdays, but we are going to look back at the show that started it all back in 1993. WWE Raw And I have a big time guest in store for you tonight But before I introduce you to him I want to introduce all my business owners to this I'm talking about Haskreya.com You got to make sure your business Projects itself in the best possible light So you can get that money y'all So there's only one way to do that I'm talking about top notch web platforming And top notch web design And that is only going to come From my good friend Alex Bonamarte What up Alex And their tremendous staff over at Haskreya.com Check them out right now. Make sure you add your name to the list of Haas Crea's ultra-talented, ultra-impressive list of clients that they've already worked with. Make sure you add your name to that roster. There's only one way to do it, and that's to go to haascrea.com. That's haascrea.com because we love tech. Yes, we are back. It is Friday. Oh my goodness, what day is it? I'm so excited I don't remember what what day it is. Oh my goodness, it is Friday, October 4th, 2019. And we are so fired up for another big time episode of the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast on the very day that SmackDown is going to premiere on Fox. But we're going to take a look back at the history of the show that started it all. And that's Monday Night Raw. We're talking about January of 1993. We're talking about Hogan, Bret Hart. We're talking about... Some of the greatest names in the history of the business. We're also talking about some kind of horrible names. We're talking about Bastian Booger. We're talking about, I don't know, Duke the Dumpster Josie. But then again, let's go back to the great names like Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. You know, Triple H hadn't quite arrived yet. He would come to the show two years later. But in 93, there was already a buzz that started coming off the heels of primetime wrestling on Monday nights on USA. And they decided, Vince McMahon and company decided that they wanted to go live from New York City, and it turned out to be the biggest show in the history of wrestling. We're talking about Monday Night Raw, and I have a big-time guest, the person who's been on the show before. He'll be on the show again in the month of November to talk about the history of WCW Nitro, coming off the heels of the tremendous premiere of W, excuse me, AEW Dynamite that took place this past Wednesday. We're going to talk about that a little later, but for tonight's show, we're talking about Raw, and we're going to bring... In our guest, good friend of mine representing the Ringside Rant. He is the owner and president and all that good stuff and tremendous, tremendous talent for the Ringside Rant and he is my guest on tonight's episode of Hubby Wrestling Weekly Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome my good friend RJ back to the show. RJ, welcome my dude. Hey, it's great to be here again. Definitely had some
1: uh, some fun first time I came on and definitely looking forward to talking about... uh, Talking about Monday Night Raw, a lot of people don't want to talk about it now, but uh, we're going to go back and delve into the great historical moment of it, so looking forward
0: to it. Most definitely, man. Um, Like I said, the the longest running cable episodic show in history, which which says a whole lot, man, because at the end of the day, when you talk about the history of television, um, there's been many crazy, crazy shows, like as far as like... uh, you know, success is concerned. But Monday Night Raw, we're talking about a show that's been in existence since January 11th, 1993. That is a massive, massive amount of time. Never an interruption. Never a week off with the exception of maybe back in the day when they got preempted by the Westminster Dog Show. If anybody remembers that back in the day. I was probably about 7 or 8 years old and I've been watching it ever since. Do you remember the early days of Monday Night Raw, RJ?
1: Yeah, it, uh for those of your listeners that don't know, I was starting back in '93 in mm-hmm. uh, January, mm-hmm. um, and then even going up until I'd say probably another good ten years after that. It was, you know, like you said, it was the dog show. You knew it was that time of the year because it got switched to uh, a different channel through uh, the NBC network. There, yes. Um, whether I can't remember for the life of me what station it went over to, but um, it's either that or it went on later. It started at nine o'clock instead of eight o'clock, um, as it does today. Um, and then obviously it went for the until uh, 11 o'clock here on the east coast. Um, uh, but yeah, it was it was kind of quick to the point. They got in, they got out uh they didn't really have all the sponsors that they do nowadays but uh you know it, it was it was what it was man you know until it got into you know the quote unquote
0: Monday Night Wars and then uh you know then it really started revving up absolutely you know back in those times you know like I said January 11th 1993 um it was a fresh product up until that time Um, Primetime Wrestling was WWE's weekly episodic show that also aired on the USA Network. And I guess Vince and the powers that be over at WWE decided, hey, you know, this is awesome, this is cool. We got this little primetime show. It's going well every Monday night. But we want to do, we want to switch, you know, we want to flip the script. We want to go on live. And even though we know that every show wasn't live, uh, at least I believe every other show was live and they would double tape a second show uh, for the people to f- view the following week. I don't know if they t- taped two or three shows deep, but either way, at least once a month or twice a month, you have a live show, and it just went from being, uh, you know, a weekly show, primetime, which was always pre-taped, you know, highlights of Superstars or Wrestling Challenge, and it would just transfer into Monday Night Raw. I remember when primetime, uh, you know, went off the air... They did this kind of like situation where Macho Man was there, Bobby Heenan was there, Jerry the King Lawler was there, along with Vince McMahon, and they literally tore down the set of primetime on the last episode, saying, we'll see you in two weeks. Monday. Next time you see us, will be Monday Night Raw. And that is January 11th, 1993. Um, still on the roster at that time, Hulk Hogan in a part-time role, uh, Bret Hart was world champion. It was just a really cool time in the business. And it was something fresh. And as you said, for the first couple of years before the Monday Night Wars kicked in, it ran unopposed. Monday night was WWE night, not just wrestling night. It was WWE night. So, I guess what I want to get into, RJ, is some of the best moments, man. Because we're talking about, oh my goodness, I'm doing the math here. 20, almost 30, 25, 30 years of of, of WWE uh, on Monday nights. Um just talk to us about some of your favorite moments in the history of the business on Monday Night Raw or you know just talk to us about your love or your appreciation for the Raw product
1: all right well when we first started talking about doing this um, you know i went back and watched some early raws because i my memory <laughs> isn't so good nowadays so i can go back <laughs> and watch you know some of the early stuff some of the stuff in like the early 90s and even a lot of the stuff into the mid to late 90s uh, because that's really when it started revving up, was probably about 96, 97, in my opinion. And, you know, some of the moments where, you know, we saw the business turn and there's no other time or instance that made that turn, like when uh, Austin stunned Vince McMahon for the first time in September of '97. And uh, I believe that was at the uh, Madison Square Garden. Oh, yes. And that a lot of people try to pinpoint when the Attitude Era started. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that that's that time when I, I really thought that it started, uh, you know, that Monday Night Wars at Attitude Era is when Austin stunned McMahon And then McMahon turned, quote-unquote, heel. Um, But, you know, a lot of people can say that. I I put it between two things. One being Austin, Stoney, McMahon. And two, when Monday Monday Nitro started in September of 95. Uh, Because that is pretty much when we started seeing Raw and WWE in general starting to really take, you know, that turn in... Becoming a better product. I think agreed Um, Because you know, we started to see the end of the year of 95, you know, they're still doing that uh, You know the gimmicks and all that stuff Um, Once 96 came around, you know, that was really when you know WWE WWF at that time started becoming a Watchable product again because before you know, it was a kid's thing, you know, just more like today where you know the PG era, um, but you know those are two of my biggest, uh, biggest moments was when Nitro debuted in '95, Austin Stun McMahon in '97, and honestly, we can even see for my t- my I got about ten of them, but I'll give you three right now. Please. Um, is my third one was when Jericho debuted on Raw in uh, August '99 you know the whole y2j y2k thing that we everybody saw in 99 nobody knew what it was because in 99 we didn't have twitter we didn't have facebook we didn't have instagram we didn't have the dirt we had the dirt sheets but you know you had actually as we previously discussed we really had to go to means to get them we, they weren't as accessible as they are now where you, all you gotta do is swipe your phone or computer on or something and it was there but that Jericho was that first uh, uh, what you call uh, uh, credible WCW guy to jump ship to the company yes and and he's still going today I, we, you, know, you know me and a lot of your listeners know me as Jericho's my favorite wrestler of all time
0: I know you're you know? definitely a Jericho guy
1: I was a Jericho-holic, and I was, I was even an edgehead in 99, too, uh, before he really started making a splash. Um, and, you know, that was the time when everybody started, you know, becoming wrestling fans again, becoming – it
0: was cool to be a wrestling fan in 99, where previous to that, you were like an outcast. <laughs> pretty much no you're right uh, you're right it was almost like you know you were a dork if you liked wrestling I agree
1: and you know and a lot of people nowadays it's like yeah I'm 35 years old and I still haven't outgrown it <laughs> you know but you know and you know even 99 was the turning point in the business because we've seen like I said Jericho, uh, debut. We saw Foley win the title in January. Yeah. Which that was, if you listen to Eric Bischoff's 83 weeks, that's when the 83 weeks ended. And WWE starting to beating the holy heck out of uh, WCW. Most definitely. Because that's when de- WCW started going down, ECW started going down, and WWE, WWF went up. Went up.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's very accurate. It was definitely a time to transition in that time. I definitely appreciate the the perspective and for me it's like, you know, the history of it is what it's all about because that's what that's what I'm passionate about. I mean, I watch more WWE Network for old school stuff than I do the new stuff. It's just it's all about to me the the 90s and the early 2000s. But I'll take you back to a time around when the show first started, man, because one of my favorite moments of all time was in the embryonic stages of Monday Night Raw, RJ. And I'm talking about May 17th, 1993. uh, A match that seemed to be nothing more than a squash between, you know, back in those days, you know, you'd have a big-time superstar going up against a no-name. And, you know, obviously the no-name was going to get beat. It was nothing more than just a showcase for the top guys to get a victory on television. And I tell you what. It wasn't going to happen this day because I'm talking about Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, going up against the 1-2-3 Kid. And I'll tell you what, I remember falling off my chair when this unknown lightning kid at the time, he was the lightning kid, he was the bomb kid, he was just the kid. But on this night, he became the 1-2-3 Kid and immediately skyrocketed himself into the main event spotlight. I'm talking about Sean Walkman, the 1-2-3 Kid, defeating May, uh, Razor Ramon on May seventeenth, 1993, which would lead to him having a very good career as X-Pac, one, two, three kids, six, the whole nine yards. What do you remember about that episode? Do you remember how historic that was? It was almost like, I can't believe what I just saw. That was, you know, it was a turning point. That was actually on my list. It was a little bit farther down as far
1: as, it wasn't my most significant right. fit, uh, moments, but it was on my list. But, yeah, yeah. it was Scott, or uh, excuse me, uh, Scott Hall was kind of, okay, up and down, up and down. He, he was that mean guy. And he, and, he, and he still was going over to WCW. But um, this was that turning point for Sean Waltman. one two three Kid, Lightning Kid, X-Pac, 6-Pac, whatever you want to call him.
0: Whatever you want to call him, yep.
1: Um, but it was that time where, you know, that ultimate underdog um was his gimmick you know he beat scott hall and his his career went up when scott as we can say for a better point of argument really went down after this because 94 95 you know started he wasn't in that those big matches yes you can say he was in the ic title matches but he was losing you know mm-hmm. he was getting fused with Jeff Jarrett ain't he great? Um, but you know When then then he went over to WCW
0: exactly but exactly
1: I I think Sean Waltman did a lot of his best work if you ever go online and a lot of your listeners could do this too, watch him in Japan
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: He was absolutely phenomenal and even later in um, Later in his career even so You know this was a significant you know moment but you know it's hard to pinpoint on okay well did they really you know succeed after this or did they not because you know you see Xbox you know becoming that cruiserweight that light heavyweight champion whatever you want to call it WCW and WWE but you know when you wanted to have a good match and if you listen to any other podcast especially with Conrad Thompson's with Bruce Pritchard. He says specifically, I can't remember what episode, but he said, if you want to have a good match, go see Waltman. Agreed. Because he is, I think he's one of the most underrated wrestlers in all of all time.
0: And truly a guy who came, you know, who was, his stuff was before its time as well. You know, when it comes exactly, to, yeah. you know, like he was doing the high flying stuff before anybody almost.
1: But then that goes to show you that Waltman is the most underrated. You know what I mean? And he's having his show. He's talking to a lot of these guys. He has these contacts. And he's having great matches. He, they might not be great in ring, but psychologically, they're fantastic. Because he messes, he messes his character messes with his opponent psychologically. And I think that's the better part of the wrestling business that you're not seeing today.
0: Most definitely. Most definitely. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, you look at Sean Waltman's career, obviously his greatest run would be, you know, in years to come after he would go to WCW and come back. His run with DX was absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, it's crazy to me because I look at his career and two of my most influential moments, like I said, I I use the word influential because when you use the word greatest, okay, you know, I think you just named a couple of the greatest, Jericho's debut, things of that nature, but... When I think about influential moments, I'm going to go to the 123 Kid one more time. I'm starting off my list of greatest Raw, most influential Raw moments with two Sean Waltman stories. The, that was the first. And the second one comes almost a year later, July of 1994, when he goes one on one with the World Wrestling Federation champion, Bret the Hitman Hart. After 123 Kid it had his little bit of a run since the Razor Ramon victory, right? You know, Razor had gone off, as you said, to kind of get entrenched in the uh, Intercontinental Championship scene after his face turn. But then Sean Waltman kind of branches off on his own. Now, we know hindsight being 2020, he was also a member of the clique. So that's also probably part of the reason why he got put over. But he was talented. And he ends up in a world title match against Brett the Hitman Hart, which turns out, if anybody has a chance to take a look at it, July 11th, 1994 edition of WWE Raw. I'm talking about one of the best in ring psychological matches I've ever seen. Raw, one, two, three, kid, Bret Hart. Do you remember this match?
1: Yeah, you know, and a lot of the Bret Hart matches, you have to remember 110% because, you know, more towards the WCW matches. I, you try to, you tend to forget the WCW matches. But, you know, put them against any other match, you're pretty darn good. Um, But, yeah, this was one of those matches where you had two great talents, in-ring talents, um, in-ring generals, if you want to call them that. And this was a a perfect example of what wrestling should be um, to, you you know, pull those fans in and get them to sit there and, you know, not change the channel, not to go to the bathroom or get up and get a A beer or drink or whatever. You want them to be entranced in that moment and and nothing else. You know, get those blinders on. And you know, Bret Hart, um, Owen Hart, uh, X Pac, um, Jericho were those guys.
0: Most definitely, most definitely. You know, I thought even eight or nine years old that I had the business snowed at this point, right? I thought that I understood. What I was seeing, I thought that I understood the product even as a kid. I thought, you know what, one, two, three kid versus Bret Hart, yes, one, two, three kid is not a job guy anymore, but you know, there's no way he's gonna beat Bret Hart. And as the match continues, it's like, wait a minute, like, is is the kid gonna win? Like and it's like I found myself questioning myself throughout the entire match. It was really a cool Mm -hmm. thing where it's like, oh my god, like they're really putting this thing together. Now in ninety-four Putting matches together like this was not the norm. You know, this was a, a pleasant surprise because 94 for WWE certainly was not its heyday. You know, a lot still, we still had, uh, you know, sanitation guys, we still had plumbers, we still had mantar, we still had people like that. But every once in a while, they hit you with this match or this situation or this moment where you'd say to yourself, wow, this is why I love wrestling. Yeah, don't forget Bash and Booger, too. That, happy, oh, but. my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this this time, you could probably put, you know, I'd say all the wrestlers that legitimately made you want to watch, you could probably put them on one hand. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, and that's unfortunate but you know, but that's what that— this time period was truth. you didn't see that until like i said until you saw austin stun mcmahon in 97 you you know you didn't see that you could count like i said everybody on one hand and who you really drew you in
0: exactly exactly you i mean you're hitting the nail right on the head uh, i'm gonna pass it to you for another uh key raw moment I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to what you got next on your slate man yeah
1: yeah thanks uh you know oh, we had, you know, we, we talked about Rod Debut in 93. Let's fast forward, you know, let's fast forward into the 2000s. Okay. Um, we saw in May of 01, we see Shane McMahon, quote unquote, buy WCW on the 26th. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a couple of days after that, you know, a lot of people, you know, when they think the invasion of WCW, they think Booker T. And rightfully so.
0: Right. Because he was kind of like the first guy, right?
1: Right. But he wasn't the first guy. He wasn't, Lance, that's true, he, right. Lance Storm invades Raw on May twenty eighth of two thousand one. You wanna talk about another most underrated wrestler of all time? Lance Storm is the personification of you know, underrated that never really, you know, never really got his just due, whether it was WCW or WWE, because a lot of people you know, didn't associate him with, okay, he's not a talk guy. Well, yeah, but he, you know, a lot of the times, you know, I've discussed this with other people too, is Lance Storm does his talking in the ring. You know, Dean Malenko did his talking in the ring. Yes. Ar- Arn-, Arn Anderson did his talking in the ring. Um, you know, so you didn't really have to, you know, talk. But this was one of those other moments when you went, holy mother of God, this, you know, this is happening, you know what I mean? And for those of, you know, for me anyways, when you watch a lot of, you know, those late, those 96, 97s, 98s, WCWs, and you see Landstorm, you you know, being successful in the Cruiserweights, and then later on, the heavyweights. But you know, I think it was a little, you know, later on it was a little too late. But uh, yeah, Landstorm invading Raw on the 28th was one of those moments where you kind of second guessed yourself. You like, okay, is this real? Because you knew, you knew it was happening because you know WCW was no more. Um, but yeah, that was um, one of those moments in 2001 where you know you see a lot of people coming back to the business that, you know, you know, we're either WCW guys or gals or whatever. And, you know, they started seeing WCW guys making their way to WWE. Um, and this, you know, this was right around, you know, when it was hot again, when it was cool to be a fan. Uh, you know, we can fast forward another, uh, actually go back. Let's go back a little bit. I actually forgot one. Okay. Um, October 13th of ninety-seven. Okay. The formation of Degeneration X. Ah, you know, chair, we said the chair shot heard around the world, huh? Exa- exactly. We saw, you know, you can say, okay, McMahon getting stunned was that turning point. Okay, this is another example of that. You know, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. Triple H is going from that Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the Greenwich snob. To you know, the not the game yet, but Triple H, and a lot of people say, okay, this was all Sean or Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Mm, I want to say no because if you go back and watch this Raw during this time, Bret Hart played a huge, huge role in it most definitely because he called it, oh, they degenerates, they're, yeah, you know, and then but. This is a time when I think Bret Hart did a lot of his best work as a heel. Because at this time, we didn't know. This was right around the time of Survivor Series in November of 97. When, you know, this Bret screwed Bret kind of thing. And when we didn't know, was he going to stay in WWE? Was he going to go to WCW? We didn't know yet. And the formation at DX was a time when if we didn't have... DX, there would be no NWO. There would be, you know... You know, know, I've heard people
0: debate that, RJ. I've heard people debate that, and it's such a joke. It is. It's obvious that NWO would not have existed without without DX. But but if there was no DX, there
1: would be no NWO. There would be no Elite. There would be no Bullet Club. You're right. And, you know, people go back and forth, like you said, and argue with this to the blue in the face. But... That also, you can also say if there if there was no horsemen, there would be no DX. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I agree so, with that, too. Right. So you go from time frame to time frame. There was always, whether it be the 80s, there was the Four Horsemen. The 90s, there was DX and the NWO towards on. Then there was, uh, you know, the Elite, the Bullet Club, Evolution, Nexus, whatever. There, each time frame, each decade has its own... Factual. And, and history repeats itself in this business. We know that. It, but it does, though. But the thing is, though, so everybody has been trying time and time again to try to emulate that DX and NWO feud, for better use of terms.
0: Who would you say came the closest?
1: And nobody's nobody succeeded in doing that.
0: Who would you say came the closest? I was going to say The Shield. Um... In trying to replicate that true feel of a faction that was believable with all guys that could flourish and do well on their own, I think The Shield would be the only one in the modern era. When I say modern, I mean like from like 2010 until now.
1: It, it's, as far as coming close to the NWO and DX um, feud? Yes. I, I, yeah, I, I'll say that. But I'd say my thing would be the original Bullet Club. If you go back, like, go back, watch it on YouTube, man. You know, whether they're good or bad, you either really, really liked them or you absolutely hated them because they ran New Japan. And I'm talking, you know, you get AJ, you get Gels and Anderson, you get Finn, um, and then you get, you know, Adam Cole goes over there, then the Young Bucks. That was, you know – I'll put it this way. It's nothing against the Shields, nothing against Ambrose and Rollins and um, and Reigns. But when you look at it, and this is maybe an unpopular, unpopular opinion, you can DM me, but nobody wanted to be the Shield. Everybody wanted to be part of the Bullet Club.
0: That's
1: true. That's true. You know what I mean? And like I said, it's nothing against them. Because when you can you can compare that to everybody wanted to be part of the NWO, everybody want, buddy wanted to be part of DX. You know what I mean? And the only the closest I'd say to that of modern day and another unpopular decision or opinion is Nexus. Everybody wanted to be part of Nexus. I like Nexus. I thought they were good in their in their first inclination. Exactly, but the thing was though they. I I think that they could have done a lot better than even the shield, but they were totally booked wrong. They were written wrong in my opinion. But, um, but we saw them in 2010 when, you know, the wrestling business wasn't the wrestling business as it was now. Uh, And, you know, you, you can compare and contrast when you think faction, when I think faction, excuse me, I think if, you get two ends of the spectrum. People really, really want to be a part of you, or people really, really don't want to be part of you. That's when that faction is good. Um, and even, even more modern, I'd say, undisputed era, man. Oh, that is most definitely whether you hate them or you really, really like them. You can can't tell me that you go on Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, whatever. Every time you listen to that music. You know, you wait for it and you go, boom! That is when you are back in the DX, into the NWO, the Bullet Club. Because that, when you get a reaction, no matter what, that's when they
0: have you. While we're, t- while we're talking about this, I-, I gotta run this past you because, in the life of me, I can't understand why this is the case. Vince McMahon has right now, under his umbrella... Adam Cole, Finn Balor, the OC, he has all these elements of guys that he can recreate the Bullet Club with. But for some reason, he will not pull the trigger. Now, I understand there may be some limitations as to why they can't call it the Bullet Club. That really Mm -hmm. doesn't make any difference. You don't have to call him the Bullet Club. I'm sure that's something that they have to to deal with in court. So I don't even Mm -hmm. worry about that. But the elements are there. Why won't Vince pull the trigger on that? I think the fans would love that. Because he wants to recreate something that
1: he already created. Mm. In my opinion, because we've seen, you know, we'll take we'll take this as an example: gals and Anderson and AJ Styles. Right. How long? How long does that take? How long did it take for them to be in the business? To, for them to actually do this? It's been a number of years. Right. Uh, and another thing, he doesn't want to this to come back the old quote unquote Bullet Club because that'll take eyes off of his product and put in a product their eyes on New Japan or on AEW uh, because they have
0: they have those members. Okay, I'm spiritual on that one for this reason and this reason only. When it comes to the Bullet Club. 3.0, 5.0, whatever this inclination would be if they ever decided to put them back together, we we, meaning the fans, would always remember who the re- original OGs are. The OGs are uh, for anybody who doesn't know what OGs mean. The original gangsters. <laughs> the, <laughs> the OGs are AJ and Finn and Cole and and Gallagher. We all know who the OGs are. Okay. No disrespect mm-hmm. to the current members of the Bullet Club. But we all know who the OGs are. You don't think that would have enough uh, momentum behind it where everybody would say, you know what, we know that Vince kind of stole this idea, but hey, the OGs are here. I'm excited anyway.
1: I really don't think, you know, because you got to have those diehard fans. You know what I mean? Because if you don't have, you know, and that's where I think a lot of the AEW, as much as I'm a fan of AEW now, they, you have to be a diehard fan to know who, 90% Ninety percent of their roster is
0: true, true.
1: And if you go back and say, "Hey, let's recreate the Bullet Club," in nowadays you probably could do it and get away with it because people can go on their phones and Google the Bullet Club.
0: Right.
1: But I think you're going to have to do it with people that have been there, with your your Fins, your Aj's. I really think when Finn comes back, he's going to be part of that faction.
0: He's I would gonna love be the that. Remember that faction? I would love that. I was hoping. Uh, I wasn't the only one who who kind of saw the I was thinking maybe him taking a break. I believe it was to get married, by the way. Congratulations Mm -hmm. to Finn Balor. But, uh, you know, when he comes back, how cool would it be if he just was like, you know, let's do this thing. I mean, I don't like the name OC. That's just my personal opinion. But either way, if they got back together, that would be so dope. But, you know, and but they have to do it the right way.
1: And Uh what And like I said, I don't know when he's going to come back. What better uh, when they do this whole rebranding thing if you all they all end up on SmackDown oh. because you because you you know they're gonna have to. they want ratings out the fives put them all on SmackDown you know what I mean and you, uh, call them uh, um, you can even call them uh, you know this just came to me is a uh, uh, BCAD right 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 both Bo- 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 club after death
0: yes 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 I got you I got you.
1: And, but the problem is, give it, don't give it to Heyman. Heyman would screw it up so much. You don't like, you don't like, you don't like Paul
0: Heyman as a producer?
1: No, no, as far as booking, as far as booking, you know, these four guys.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Give it to Bischoff for one reason and one reason only. Who created the NWO?
0: Uh-huh. Good point, good point.
1: Because he, this and like I said, I don't know him personally, but I think I know enough about him from the past to know that he, he – give it to him. Make this his baby. Because he knows what to do with factions. and But he also knows what not to do with factions. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if they're going to do it right, you have to do it with Bischoff. Because – Make it only four guys. Don't add people to it. Because that's what screwed up the NWO. Because everybody and their mother
0: was in the NWO. NWO was almost as big. It was like 50-50 WCW versus NWO. But to bring it back for a second, because I love the segue that you just created, uh, talking about the, the, the move over to SmackDown. As we continue to talk about the history of Monday Night Raw and its significance, How do you feel about the fact... And I'll tell you how I feel, kind of just to lead into your opinion as well. I'm very disappointed, and I'm going to tell you why. I love the move to Fox. Okay, Sean, you're contradicting yourself now. Okay, I'm going to reel it back in. (laughs) I love the move to Fox, but I I hate it at the same time. And the reason why is because, obviously, the move to a major network is going to take precedent as it pertains to what's going to now be the A show. For the first time in history... Raw is gonna be the B show. I, I I I'm not sure how I feel about that. How do you feel about it?
1: To me anyways, it's always been the B show. Really? Because one reason, one reason only. Oh, the main reason, it's not the only reason, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: SmackDown was two hours is two hours. Raw is three hours. So you don't like them.
0: I thought the three hours I hour hate element. I hate the
1: three hours, man. Really? I hate it. I hate it. They should start, they should do, start at 8, get out at 10. Mm. On the East Coast, anyways. Okay. Because that gives people enough time. Because you say you end at 10, most people, you know, they have to work the next day. Why are you going to stay on until 11? People aren't going to be watching it live. They're going to be DVRing it. That's true. I've I've watched more SmackDown because it starts at 8 and goes to 10. Than raw because it goes from eight and goes to 11. I get it. They want the longer longer uh, Longer programming because of the advertisements. I get that But you have, at the end of the day you have to think about You know the advertisers aren't necessarily gonna be paying to come to the shows. They're not gonna be paying to buy the merchandise That's when the fans come back into it um And like I said, that's the only and that's the only reason till that Raw goes back to two hours, and it probably never will. And I'm probably thinking SmackDown once you know they you know they start really you know hitting the ground running. I see SmackDown going to three hours too, and that's gonna be the most idiotic move that they've ever made.
0: Because you think you think that the powers that be at Fox would give up three hours of their of their prime time schedule on a, on a Friday night?
1: Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. That the, they see. They they don't see WWE as taking up time. They see WWE as a moneymaker. Fair enough, fair enough. Because, you know, and that's where for AEW to succeed, keep it in two hours. Do not go to three hours because that is, you know, if you're thinking you want those, like we said before, you get matches like an X-Pac and Bret Hart. You want those blinders on these fans. You got too much stuff going on, man. True. You know what I mean? True. Because you know, you get people getting up and going to the bathroom or getting something or whatever. That's what happens when you have three hours of entertainment. Um, whether it be look at it this way, I compare you know trying to watch Raw, trying to watch SmackDown for three hours. What would you? What would happen? When you go to, you know, you get a movie on Netflix or whatever, whatever, and I just totally butchered that. but
0: um, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't butcher it. I get what you're trying to say.
1: <laughs> you watch a movie that's three hours compared to a movie that's, you know, two hours. You're going to watch a two-hour movie, 100, I'd probably say majority of the time, over that
0: three-hour movie. Okay, let me respond to that. My response to that would be this, because I'm actually one of the rare advocates. So let me say this. You are, you, are, you are definitely in the majority of people who don't like uh, the three-hour format for Raw. But let me tell you why I'm in the minority of people that do. Pay-per-views are three hours. Actually, now they're like four hours. So, mm-hmm. And I find myself engulfed in a pay-per-view. I find myself, even in my 30s, still as eager as I was as a teenager or a kid to watch a pay-per-view. Now, obviously, we know pay-per-view is the highest form of wrestling there is as it pertains to a comparison to weekly programming because the weekly programming is what leads up to the pay-per-view so we understand that but even so monday night raw is three hours the reason why monday night raw is kind of corny right now it has nothing to do with the fact that it's three hours because if you condense it to two hours it'd still be a I don't want to say a crappy product, but it would still be a a subpar product because right now, quite frankly, Raw is not that good. I don't care if it was one hour. Monday Night Raw is just not that good. NXT is better than Raw, and so is SmackDown. But I, I don't think it has anything to do with three hours. But back to my original point. Three hours would be fine if it was put together properly. I think it's more about writing. I think it's more about content than it is about time. Now, what's your response to that?
1: NXT and uh, NXT has been better than SmackDown and Raw combined.
0: Most definitely.
1: And that's and, and that's probably a common occurrence and common opinion, but um, it's they try they're trying. Don't get me wrong. They're trying to f- try to figure out what 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 to do because no, I don't think anybody knows. To be honest with you,
0: as far as the whole Raw thing goes. My, RJ, RJ, not to cut you off because I want to hear you finish. And look at those horrible crowd reactions they're getting. What reaction? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know
1: what I mean? Because they'd rather chant things than watch the watch the match. Right. Um, and it's good matches, right. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you get matches with any point with Cesaro or any of these guys, uh, Ricochet, Ray. they you know, but the problem is though, and I've said this on Twitter multiple times. We're going to see this again. We're gonna see another Becky and or Becky and Charlotte. We're gonna see another, you know, Alexa Bliss
0: and um, whom I, or
1: whoever Sasha. Yeah,
0: but right now, arguably, who, who, who wants that? No, nah, but listen, arguably, and believe me, I'm as old school as they get. Like, I never thought I would see the day. Shout out to all the women out there, women, ladies, I love you. But I never thought I'd be the guy to advocate for women's wrestling. And I still don't think that the women's main event at WrestleMania was quite on time. I think maybe we were still another year away, if at all. But that being said, the Sasha, Becky, Charlotte, Becky, Alexa, Nikki tag team title deal, it's arguably the most exciting thing on the show.
1: If you, if you want to talk about women's wrestling, I've never been an advocate for it, and right. it's nothing against them personally. Right. I, I respect them what they do. Right. Don't get me wrong. But, if you want to talk about women's wrestling, it's not in WWE, man.
0: Yeah, AEW does have a great product. Nope, I'm not even talking to AEW. Oh, you're talking about ROH? Impact? Okay. Impact. Impact. Alright. I'll give you
1: three examples. Tessa Blanchard. She's awesome. Taya Valkyrie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Rosemary. Yeah. And now they have Tennille Dashwood. And Kiara Hogan's not too bad either. Kiara Hogan, yep. they have, um, oh, crap, what the heck is her name? It's, uh, ah. oh, man, <laughs> I can't remember right now. Um, it's Gresh- Gresham's wife.
0: Um, I, I see her face. I just can't place the name. Yeah. Uh, but I know that, what you're talking about.
1: I'd, I'd rather watch, honestly, uh, I'd rather watch their wrestling. Impact, watch out for I guarantee you, you're going to be seeing, everybody's thinking AEW, they're thinking WWE, NXT. No, uh, Impact, they're going over to, they're going over to Access, uh, watch them. But um, they, if you want real women's wrestling, you know, and enjoy it, Impact's where to go. But, you know, and it's not, like I said, it's nothing against WWE and the women's wrestling that's there. It's just, it's watered down. It's the same stuff over and over again. And I get it. You want to tell a story. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, you got to take it for what it's worth. Take it at, with a grain of salt because, you know, it's, it's as deep as the women's division is, it isn't. And I know it's, if that makes sense. You know it, does, because it does make sense. Pan-
0: does, even because even though they have 20 women on the roster... I'm just throwing a random number out there. There's only five that you're really intrigued by. But, but they're doing it, but they're only, you
1: know, you have 20 women on the roster, and they're only booking 10 of them. Well, that's
0: true. You know, you know what I mean? Where, Where is the Riot Squad? I know that Ruby Riot's still recovering from injury, but where is the Riot Squad? They've actually, I've seen where they've actually been working house shows. Okay, so they're just not on TV. Okay, I got that. They're just not on
1: TV yet, and that is... I, if you want to talk about women's wrestling, look at those three. I guarantee you, the, if if they want to bring their women's wrestling back to where it should be, book them to the moon.
0: And you know what? Speaking of Monday Night Raw, why is the why was the Riot Squad broken up in the first place?
1: Wasn't the branch split?
0: Yeah, but I don't care. Like they shouldn't have broke them up.
1: That's the no reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the no, that's the no only reason, though. Yeah, but it's I like you know. Put, Logan, Logan uh, Liv, and, 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 um, and Ruby were a very good team. And they still are. Yeah, so I don't understand. I don't understand. You know, I, it's like something works, let's change it just because we want to change it. You know, like for me, like you just were talking about with Finn Balor, like if he gets drafted to SmackDown along with uh, the other members of the Bullet Club. I mean, that makes sense. But let's not do it because, hey, maybe it makes too much sense. So let's not do it. You know, sometimes... The surprise element backfires because it's like, hey, we know that everybody wants this, so let's give them something different just for shock value. No, that's going to disappoint us, Vince. It's going to disappoint us. Mm-hmm. You always do the opposite. If it makes sense, do the opposite. Yeah, you know, but I don't know. As we continue to talk about the issue of Monday Night Raw, um, it, you can't help but spawn off into these different conversations about other organizations and other realms of, of wrestling because, like I said, to open the show... We are on the verge of uh, a shift in climate in the world of professional wrestling. On Friday nights, we're going to be watching wrestling on Fox. On Wednesday nights, we're going to be watching wrestling on USA and the TNT Network. Wrestling's back on TNT for the first time in in almost 20 years. It's a dope time, but it's like, as you said earlier, RJ, it's also something that they could really screw up if they don't do it correctly.
1: Yeah, and I'm I mean, I, and I'm really starting to see that too because you know just the way they're booking, man. I mean, I really think the best thing right now, and it makes sense. We've seen Lesnar on SmackDown. That's the best thing that can they do right they can do right now. Yes. But to me, in my opinion, and you know Anthony from Smart to Death podcast said the same thing, and I agree with him. Wednesday or, uh, wrestling for me doesn't start until Wednesday now.
0: Monday Night Raw is almost an afterthought, and as we, like I said, as we continue oh, to yeah. talk about the history of Raw, you know, I just remember, um, I'm kind of off the moments now, and I definitely want to hear more of yours if you have any more, but my mm-hmm. focus now is going to be more on um, just the historical value of the show. You know, I just remember, like, you know, opening segment, like, music would hit, and, like, people would rise to their feet, and it would almost be like something tangible that jumped out from the television screen and just grabbed me, like, This is awesome. And now it's like, you know, here comes Braun Strowman yelling at people. Like, okay, like, I get it. Here comes Seth for the millionth time challenging Brock Lesnar. Now he's beating up Braun Strowman again. Uh, Sooner or later he's going to end up. By the way, we're recording this show a week before uh, Hell in a Cell. By the time you guys hear it, Hell in a Cell will be over. I predict that uh, Bray Wyatt's going to lose, and I think that's a tragedy. How do you feel about that? Bray, Bray Wyatt's gonna win I hope he does I
1: hope he does I, th- I, and I think that's you know it's what's best for business you have to strike especially with WWE and like I said if it makes sense do the opposite mm-hmm. I see both happening but you know you have to strike while the irons hot. with WWE there's you know there's three facets there's weekly uh, weekly ratings there is long-term booking, and then third, and most importantly, money. Mm-hmm. And that is merchandise. Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, whatever you want to call him, is a merchandise gold mine. Yes, he is. Put the strap on him. Seth Rollins is so much better as a heel. You align him when, when you know, perfect example, when you were, he was with The Authority, he was absolutely hated he was when, when Kevin Owens was a heel absolutely hated Chris Jericho put him you know strapped the rocket Bray Wyatt he's getting cheered when he shouldn't be
0: but you know that's the, actually a sign of a big start in my opinion you know stone he's
1: always but you think he's always been a big star. he's had it in him he just they haven't been booking him right well, you yeah. know, all the way back to Husky Harris when he was a Flipping NXT. Yeah, but uh,
0: it's it's sad because it's like Bray Wyatt's a WWE champion and we almost forget about that. He has the wrestling business
1: in his blood going back two generations.
0: Erwin R. Scheister, Mike Rotundo.
1: Go back farther than that. He's part of the Blackjacks lineage. Exactly,
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: Arguably one of the best tag teams of all time. Most
0: definitely, most definitely. And it's just... But what I'm what I'm saying is though, R.J. Like, I've never wanted to be wrong more in my life. You know, I think Seth Rollins retains. I, I don't know what it is, but I I just have a sneaking feeling I think Becky retains when I think that Sasha Banks should win. Honestly, I I don't I I don't know how you feel about that part. I know you agree with me. I know you agree with me about Bray Wyatt should win, even though you think that I, my prediction will be wrong, which I hope it is. But how do you feel about the Sasha? I think Sasha. At this stage in the storyline, Sasha should go over. Especially with Becky going to, you know, SmackDown. Like, you know, she should lose the title. Am I right? She should, but I doubt she will. Um, And
1: it's the same reason that, you know, they're still trying to play off this whole Becky and Seth engagement, alignment, whatever you want to call it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And Sasha is in the same... Uh, conversation as Bray Wyatt Mm -hmm. where you strike when the iron is hot she came back to a huge pop when you know she's getting cheered she's getting booed she who cares she's getting something that's it that's why it's they have I'm gonna say they have to but to do it the right way you know make the title change now because, what are we in? Where was it? September and almost October? Yeah. What's in November? Survivor Series. Put them in a Survivor Series match against each other. Thank you, you know, for bringing team, that up. Team Fiend versus Team Rollins. Yes. Team Becky versus Team Sasha.
0: Whatever. But, see, thank you for bringing that up. Because Survivor Series, because I was going to go there. Survivor Series should be, I don't know, I guess SummerSlams assumed the role of the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Survivor Series should be the biggest pay per view of the year, beside WrestleMania, if it was booked properly. The eight man tag format, five, eight, ten man tag, depending on what year you're watching, is awesome. But somehow they screw it up every single year. Mhm. I, I, I yep. It makes me sick.
1: Yeah, that was the first pay per view
0: that I went to a Survivor
1: Series back in uh, '04. That's awesome. And and uh, that was been you know if you say your WrestleMania is not your favorite pay-per-view, you're lying. But, you know, you know, Summer, excuse me, um, Royal Rumble's close to two, but, you know, Survivor Series, you go back and i watch a lot of these old Survivor Series matches, they're pretty darn good. Yes. Um, But, you know, I've always, you know, those big fours, you go back and I, you know, you watch these big four pay-per-views and those are always in there. But, yeah, it's always been booked wrong because, you know, it was, you know, it, it's so easy to book them wrong because they're multiple man matches. You know, I still think you know to you know there's too many, many titles. You know, uh, get something rid of like, some too many like titles.
0: The you don't like the excessive amount of belts. I I hate it, man. Okay. You know, okay, you got
1: you should have you know as a whole company the heck with different titles. That's where you and I get it. You want merchandise? Fine, whatever. Yeah, heavyweight champion. An IC title or U.S. title, whatever way you want to do it. Tag and women's, That's it for the whole for the whole company.
0: Okay,
1: okay. I and understand. I and I get it traveling and all that. Fine, whatever. But you know, was you know the Road Warriors complaining? Were you know Legion of, or uh, you know the Horsemen complaining about when they have to travel from one coast to the other? No, they did it. They did with You the go. You look back in the day. Guys like Ric Flair, Harley Race, Dusty, Steamboat. They would go from the West Coast. Uh, one time, and say we'll say in the afternoon, they'll wrestle. Then they'll go to the Midwest. Wrestle then. They'll wrestle three times in a day. Yeah, and, and then go and, to the East Coast and,
0: and wrestle at night. Exactly, and you just you know were broke it down perfectly because they'd be in the West Coast early. Move, they and move and they keep moving or East Coast early keep moving west or whatever the case may be as mm-hmm. the time zones change and they would they would go multiple times in one day you're right
1: And, and, and you know and a lot of these guys that those days are long gone
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know the territories are long and long dead but what's what's making them you know the way that travel is now what, what makes what makes you say that it won't can't happen again? Exactly. You know what I mean? You take a red eye from the West Coast to the Midwest. You know, you say, we'll say, for example, we'll do, we'll use Seth Rollins and The Fiend. Wrestle one in, uh, we'll say, San Francisco
0: uh-huh.
1: at one in the afternoon. Then you go to Chicago or Texas, wrestle at, uh, you know, six. yeah Then you go to the East Coast and you wrestle at eight or nine. Because you realize these guys, they're not going to be booked early in the card. Book them later in the card; they're going to be the main event.
0: Makes all the sense in the world to me.
1: So, but, it, it, but see, the thing is, it makes sense to you and I. But when it comes to you know, you know, you know, the quote unquote writers, they they couldn't find their, they couldn't you know, they dig themselves out of a hole if their life depended on it.
0: Exactly, exactly. And it's so sad because it's like the potential is there, but yet. You know, that's why we get excited about, you know, AEW and ROH and Impact and New Japan because it's like they get it. They just don't have the resources to compete, you know, on a production level. But AEW does. And that's why I think WWE is in a little bit of trouble. Not now. Obviously, you know, AEW is in its embryonic stages. But if AEW does this thing right, they will be at least in the ballpark of the conversation about best company in the world. Mm. Yeah. Well,
1: but see, but the thing is that, like I said, it's you get a lot of these TV TV deals. Keep it at two hours, man. Seriously, yeah. if yeah. you know, un- unless unless you have enough talented pro enough of a talent product to do it for three hours, but WWE doesn't have that right now. Exactly. They have the talent, but they're not going to do it. They don't have the you know the capability of you know writing for three hours. They have a capability of writing for two hours. Because that first hour of um, of Raw is good. The third hour is horrendous. It and is that's, Every that's, week. And, that's, and that's and that's when you should have your main event there. It shouldn't be horrendous hour.
0: Exactly, exactly. All I can say is this, man. Um, you know, as we wrap up this show, like it, it's been so much. Fun. I, I think, I think the thing for me is just like as we look back on the history of Raw and actually the future of Raw. I just, I want to take it back to the good old days, man. Like, I mean, the 90s, the early 2000s, or the heyday of this show, it obviously stood the test of time. So let's give it credit for what credit is due. I mean, you know, since 93 through 2019, we're talking about 26 years of, of excellence as it pertains to uh, primetime television. But at the same time, it definitely has been, Uh, The lean years of Monday Night Raw over the past few, you know, with, with, you know, splashes of excitement, especially around WrestleMania season. But, you know something? I remember there was a time in the 90s, 2000s, where it could be a random June 23rd in Des Moines, Iowa, and it was still awesome. So, you know, we got to get back to those days. Yeah, you know, and as much as you say, okay,
1: let's bring it back to the old days. Well... That's all well and good, but you have to do it the right way, first and foremost. You know, they're trying to, we're seeing i on Raw this week. Oh, Stone Cold's coming back. Hogan's coming back. Uh, whoever's coming back. No. Oh, that's all well and good. But it's the same people over and over and over again. Right. right. You know, Ric Flair. I, I'll, I'll sit there and watch Ric Flair nine times out of ten every single night. Because I'm a Ric Flair fan. Yeah. I go back now and watch... Old NWA stuff from the 80s just to watch Ric Flair, Harley Race, Dusty, whatever. But, you know, surprise us every once in a while. Keep, stop bringing back the same guys. And it's nothing against Hogan. It's nothing against Austin. I love them, and I love their work. But bring somebody else back. You know what I mean? Because, you know, a lot of the times the distance makes the heart grow fonder. Yes, yes. You know? And who knows? Who knows? You know who who they'll bring back. I have no nobody off the top of my head right now that I'd rather. I want to see bring them, have them bring back. You know, but it's just you want to bring back the old time. And I think you know at this point, unless they really figure out how to do it, that's that's not the way to go. You know, you want to concentrate on the future. You want to concentrate on the present. You know, you know your Finn Balor's your. Um, your club, your you know, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, uh, Shinsuke, uh Rusev, you know, but you're, they're not. They're concentrating on getting those ratings pops when they move to Fox. Okay, That's
0: but then what? Good.
1: But then
0: when, what? Was the last, when was the last time we saw Sami Zayn wrestle? I, I was about. I was just about to ask you: Is Sami Zayn healthy? Because he's not wrestling.
1: I know he was hurt for a while with his shoulder, double uh, shoulder surgery, but he came back and he wrestled. He's I haven't gone.
0: seen any. I haven't seen anything in, anywhere.
1: I may be wrong, so if anybody wants to, you know, let me know about that. You can certainly hit me up on Twitter. But it's he's he's a cheerleader for Shinsuke, and I get it. I like Shinsuke and his combination, and I'm really really hoping. This leads to a feud between of them, to right. two of them, right. for the IC title. I really hope so. But I don't see that happening. You know what I mean? So, Eric Bischoff, if you're listening, please book that. Yes. Um. Uh, but, you know, everybody wants to, okay, bring back the old guys. Bring back the old guys. Well, that's all well and good, to bring Sting back. I get that. You know, that's probably the, the exception to the rule. We haven't seen Sting in a while.
0: Yeah, it's been a long time.
1: And, you know, concentrate on the present, concentrate on the future because, you know, it gets old really, really quick, you know? And that's where, you know, AEW is going to flourish. That's where NXT is going to flourish is they're concentrating on the present, they're concentrating on the future. And yes, you can argue AEW's current heavyweight champions, Chris Jericho, he's 50 years old, blah, 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 they're taking away old WWE guys. I get it. But I put the tweet out earlier, probably last week, saying that it's an unpopular opinion, but WWE is constantly bringing back these old talent where AEW's concentrating on the current um, state wrestlers and the future. And somebody said, oh, well, what about Jericho? I'm like, okay, there's an exception to the rule in every company. There no all, matter what, whether is. you look at ROH, really whether you look at New Japan, whether you look at um, Impact or WWE or NXT, there's exception, a few exceptions to that rule.
0: I couldn't agree more, and I think that at the end of the day, all we can do is just hope that you know the people who we entrust with our wrestling product understand the same thing that we're talking about right now. I understand that I'm not equipped to do what a Vince McMahon does or a Paul Heyman does or Eric Bischoff does or a Bruce Prichard does but I think I know the business I think you know the business and I think the fans are far more educated than they give us credit for and I think that as AEW continues to emerge and Ring of Honor stays uh, with the high quality that they've been doing even though they're a little stagnant at times last night uh, at uh, Death Before Dishonor we saw a couple title changes they kind of threw a little monkey wrench in their, their plans as far as kind of trying to spice it up a little bit, which is cool. But, you know, WWE's not the only game in town, is all I'm trying to say. And after 26 years, sometimes complacency can be a problem. Uh, I just hope that they figure out what what needs to be done in order to make this transition to Fox mm-hmm. a successful one, all while not allowing Raw to fall off the face of the earth, you know?
1: You know, and I, and I really do think they have the capability to do it. And I think they have the right people in, in, uh, in the office to do it. You're Eric Bischoff, you Paul Heymans. Uh, but I just, you know, I, I, I expect the worst and all for the best kind of thing nowadays. Because, like I said, I watch more SmackDown now than I do Raw. Just because I like Eric Bischoff's mindset, mindset as far as writing, as far as producing a good wrestling product. Uh, Because if you look, go back and look at WCW between 96 to, I will say 98. They kicked the ever-loving heck out of WWE because Eric Bischoff was booking it. Yep. You know, ECW from about 97, 98 was great in my opinion, was better than, you know, was right up there with WWE. Great. You know, they had the production value of WWE. ECW was, you know, a fly in the wall compared to them. But their product was just as good, if not better, than WWE because Paul Heyman was booking it. And don't have to tell me about all controversy with this or that with ECW. I'm just talking wrestling right now. That's it. And they have the right people, but they just have to put one and one together. You know what I mean? And as much as I don't think they're doing it, they have to listen to the fans. You know, they have to listen to, you know, the fan and what they want. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, it all has to go through one man and one man only, and we know that. But it's going to get to that point where, you know, they're going to be – Listening more to the ratings, they're going to be listening more to the sponsors, um, and rightfully so. You know what I mean. You and I—we both have sponsors as far as
0: podcast. Exactly. You know
1: what I mean. You have to plug your sponsors. I get that. Exactly. But at the end of the day, you and I both know you have to listen to what your listeners want. You have to li- listen to what you know your what your listeners want to hear, who they want to hear, what topics they want to hear. You have to think about what they want. To hear or what they think is interesting, we could sit here and talk about you know basket weaving for an hour and a half, and nobody's going to listen. Yeah. Yep. But if you talk about you know extreme basket weaving when people are you know getting hit over the head with needles or getting <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. But you know you have to think. You know, I get both ends of it, but you know, WWE, Raw, SmackDown will not, you know, they'll succeed when they start listening to the fans. And I think you're starting to see that, you know, with The Fiend. You're starting to see that with, you know, the club or the OC, whatever the heck you want to call them. Exactly. Um, but, you know, you're gonna, and you're going to start seeing that with SmackDown, too, because they're moving to Fox in a couple weeks, or next week, excuse me, as we're recording this. Um, and you're going to start seeing that. And I think... You're going to start seeing it even more when they do this rebranding. I really do, because they're going to start seeing new, more interesting matches. And whether that makes me a WWE mark right now, then so be it. But I'm going to be watching everything, man. I'm going to start, and I'm saying, I'm going to start Wednesday.
0: I don't do it. I'm going to watch,
1: you. you know, and you're going to DVR one, you're going to watch the other. Who cares? You got so much out there, watch everything.
0: Exactly, and why not watch it? Oh, I gotta make a choice. No, you don't. You can watch everything. No, you Enjoy yourself. That's the way that
1: technology about. is nowadays, you can DVR one, or if you don't have DVR capabilities, watch it again on Hulu or YouTube or whatever. There's so much more streaming options out there now than there was 15 20 years ago when Raw started in '93, when you know uh, Nitro debuted in '95. You had to watch one or the other because you did have you did not have an option
0: to record
1: or D V R or whatever or be or, a com- or be a
0: complete lunatic like i was and put one tv on top of the other that 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 too you know i do it the whole i'll do
1: it one with the ipad one on the tv and one <laughs> on my phone all three you know exactly. what i mean and you know like we've just discussed before my wife thinks i'm a nut job for getting up at four o'clock in the morning watching new japan here on the east coast you know and they got a show not to get too far off, off topic but they got New Japan's running the East Coast this week. Yeah, The next awesome. couple weeks. They had, Lowell, they had Lowell, Massachusetts last night. They're running Hammerstein Ballroom tonight. And then and then they're going to, um, oh crap, uh, no, not Baltimore. They're going down south, Southern State. Right. But you know what I mean? There's just so much out there. And I've said it time and time again, and I know you have too. If you're not happy with the wrestling product, it's your own fault because there's so much out there.
0: There definitely is. And you know what else is out there? The idea of you working with me again because we're going to keep this momentum going because we're bringing you back again next month for another episode of the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast as we go over the history of Monday Nitro and its historical significance. And we know that there's a lot of historical significance when it comes to Nitro, especially with AEW Dynamite starting this October. Man, RJ, it's been a blast as usual. Thank you so much for joining me, and please let the people know where they can find you.
1: Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me again. It was, it's always a pleasure to sit down and chat with you. I know it's probably, you know, sometimes people don't want to hear us chatting, yelling at each other, yelling about the product, but I'm glad to be back. And, um, yeah, you definitely you can find me over on, on Twitter at underscore Ringside Rant. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Ringside Rant. Um, you can find my personal page. I'm more on the shows page now, but you can find me my personal page at KrasinskiRJ RJ on Twitter, uh, not on Instagram, uh, just my personal page. So I won't de- delve into that, but you can fi- find me on there if you want. Uh, and then I come out every Tuesday with the ringside rant, um, or, you know, thereabouts. Sometimes I have to, you know, delay it a little bit because of certain guests, die, uh, stuff comes up. But uh, you can find me across, you know, wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Anchor, uh, probably a bunch of other ones I uh, can't think of right now. But wherever you get
0: podcasts,
1: you know, definitely go over there and subscribe. Give us a review and, uh, uh, you know, definitely enjoy doing what I do and uh, especially coming on uh, shows like yours.
0: Well, I appreciate that, my dude. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate the compliment, man. This show is for the people, so thank you for coming on once again, RJ. Shout out to you and the ringside ranch. Shout out to my good friend Conrad of Everything Pro Wrestling. He will be back on the show pretty soon. And next time, next time, coming up next month in the month of November, we're going to have RJ back to talk about the history of WCW Nitro. Tonight we talked about the history of Raw. Uh, With everything coming up, uh, AEW Dynamite, NXT on Wednesday, SmackDown on Fox on Friday nights. Everything's moving forward in the world of professional wrestling. But back in the day, man, Monday Nitro was a show that went head-to-head with WWE Raw uh, for uh, about five, six years. From 95 until 2001. That's the next time we come to you here on the Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Podcast. So RJ will be back. We look forward to having him back. We look forward to having each and every one of you back. All my listeners I've been checking my numbers I have listeners in each and every one of the 50 states As well as internationally in Canada, Mexico And other countries abroad I want to thank each and every person listening uh, This show would be nothing without you God bless you and let's keep this wrestling community going So with that being said On behalf of my guest on tonight's show and future shows RJ of the Ringside Rant I'm the founder and host of Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Sean Hubbard And this is the Hubbard Wrestling weekly podcast we'll holler at y'all later peace you have been listening to the hubbard wrestling weekly podcast which is an original production of hubbard wrestling Weekly.com. hubbard wrestling weekly is an independently owned company the opinions and ideas of its host and studio guests are theirs and theirs alone as Hubbard Wrestling Weekly is not associated with any professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, or boxing organization. Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, the very best in professional wrestling and
1: combat sports.